mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Don't Blame Me, not to shit on all of our other episodes and not to, like, make this, like, an impossible standard, but I have no offense, everyone else. I truly have never been more excited to film an episode or record an episode. We have Shan Boudram here, and you are, I told you as soon as you walked in that you are, like, my friend crush, but also, like, I feel like that you are, you are the epitome of this podcast. Like, if this podcast had a mascot, it would be, it wouldn't be me, it would be you. This is a fucking incredible introduction. Oh, I, I don't I, received straight to the womb. It's, I like Melissa can testify. Like mm-hmm. this is like, yeah. as soon as <laughs> she true. met you, she was like, "We have to have her on our podcast." And I looked you up, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Also, I've seen your me undies at. Please tell the people what you do. I mean, you're a sexologist, which yes. is already like 
just <laughs> fucking cool. Yes. I'm like here for it. But yeah, explain to everyone what you what you do. I refer to myself as the Walmart greeter of intimacy. <laughs> and yes. that essentially means I want to get the average person excited about learning about sex, love, and relationships. And so that's what I do. I look for entry points for people who have never thought how can learning about attachment theories and orgasm recipes and consent mm-hmm. massively improve every area of my life? Because it's crazy that interpersonal relations are the spice of life. It's why we're alive. It's our superpower. Mm-hmm. And yet we never learn about them. Mm-hmm. So I just am here to correct that issue by getting people excited to learn. I am so fucking excited. We also have to have you back. Like for So this is an advice podcast. You guys are new here. Wow. Did I even intro it? Welcome to Don't Blame Me. Yeah. You haven't so, done any of that. <laughs> well, welcome to uh, Don't Blame Me. It's an advice podcast. If you want to call in, the phone number is 310-694-0976. Is it live? No, no, no. They leave voicemails. Oh, shit. What's it say? Um, and if you're an international listener, you can send us an audio file at meganpodcast at gmail.com. So I don't read the, or I, yeah, I don't listen to the calls before, but like I get summaries. And so I tried to pick ones that I think like would especially be great for you. But I think we have to have you on again. I mean, I know you're busy, but I'm just telling you, we're going to have you on again. And we, I want to like get specific, yeah. super like sexually kind of calls. I mean, we, we love doing those in mm-hmm. general, but like you, I also want to bring our friend on here. Who's our friend? Our friend. Our friend, our friend um, mm-hmm. who struggles with orgasms mm-hmm. and oh, all enough. we do is like every time we, she probably hates us right now. All, every no, time we, I talked to her the other day. About okay. It. Yeah. Every time I see her, I'm like, <laughs> we got to talk. How you doing? Have you tried the thing with the bathtub? Like faucet? Have we talked about this? Like constantly. And so I'm like, maybe we like, we put her in the middle yeah. and we can just like, <laughs> I love that you said that. Cause actually that's a really great way for people to like introductory understand yeah. their body. I always say with water, how do you masturbate? Mm-hmm. Are you like jet stream? Are you the pulsing? Do you like the turn the faucet on and get that direct really hard i mean i'm a fan of like bathtub like that bathtub faucet but is that what it's called like you a, need a lot of pressure thing? then but no but i will like maneuver my body and also use my hands in a way that it's not like like yeah yeah falls net yeah no because then also like then i'm just feel like i have to pee yeah because <laughs> i'm just like i feel like i'm just filling up from the inside out so no but yeah that's like i think that i mean that was the first way i masturbated but i also think it's like still to this day i'm like this is the easiest way i can do a deep conditioner mask in my hair i'm like this is like self-care to a whole other level okay. <laughs> I'll tell you something. My um, parents, when I was like maybe like 13 years old, mm-hmm. introduced this removable shower head into my bathroom. All I've ever wanted. Is changed my life. Head? And yeah. recently I went back home. They changed it. What? It was like a ritual for me to go home and have this very specific orgasm yep. with the shower head that has like been a monumental part of mm-hmm. my upbringing and now it's gone. I remember the first time I read that in Cosmo that people were like, removable shower heads, like game changer. And I remember I was like 15 and I was like, yeah <laughs> I, want this. I want this but no i've never had one i've always wanted one you should get one i should get one i would i mean especially if you're a faucet maneuver there's not yeah. a lot of maneuvering with that because you can change the setting to really like make oh, your wow. magic oh wow yeah but then i have to stand oh no I've, how long is it listen can I, say I do it it's like a stretch so speaking of oh, self-care okay. you put your foot on either end of the bathtub so like my parents have like a bathtub where like the walls are there Hold, i'm gonna fall it's a nice little you don't fall because you're wedged your feet are wedged and i oh, know you're inside I've the bathtub. older because like when i was young it was easy to do that and now it's a struggle now <laughs> you just hear your like, i just hear cracking. all the cracks yeah i'm sore like, the next day ouch <laughs> no i've yeah I've, I've definitely had them before we were like ow that was a position i was in for far too long i'm right against that tub um well i'm just so fucking excited for you to be here and uh give advice you're gonna be so good at this obviously um but i feel like i'm gonna learn a lot hi megan i'm 21 years old um i have been with my boyfriend for about year and a half now um 
basically like a year into our relationship, um, I we were moving. We already lived together. I felt kind of like weird, you know, when you like have a weird feeling about your relationship. I did a naughty thing and I looked at his phone and on said phone were photos of semi-nude photos of my friends that he took off of my phone. So basically he like snuck on my phone in the middle and I took a bunch of pictures like of my phone. Like I'm assuming he didn't want to send the pictures to him because then I would see it somehow. I don't know. Um, I can I confronted him like immediately. Um, I'm a Leo, so you know, it's really straightforward. Um, and we basically like talked things out. That was like six months ago. Um, it still bothers me, <laughs> and I will like every once in a while like bring it up, and I like I, and I know it bothers me because I still bring it up, and I don't know how to make it stop bothering me because I feel really manipulative because we did get past it and we did like already discuss it and it's been six months. Um, so I don't know if that's like, like part of me is like, yeah, your feelings are valid. But the other part of me is like, you can't keep like throwing this at him. So if you have any advice to uh, make me stop being that crazy girlfriend, that would be really great. Thank you. Love you. Bye. What a great question. Yeah. Also, like, what photos did you have of your friend? Like, I'm, like, wondering what kind of photos these were of your friend. Semi-nude. I know. But I'm, like, if you're, like, girls, like, being, like, oh, let me take some, like, real hot cute pictures of, like, for you. And I'll, I'll, like, I love the idea that, like, in high school, that was, like, my phone was filled with that of me and my friends. And being, like, we're going to take, like, really tasteful, cute pictures to send to, like, our boyfriends or, like, who are at summer camp right now. And, like, I just have this image of what, like, these photos are. So you basically have these photos oh, in your phone. Oh, my. I mean, not anymore. I right. wish I did. <laughs> high school me 100% did. I well, what's your sign? First of all, I forgot to ask you this. I'm an Aries. I am not a believer oh, okay. in astrology, and so when she even said like I'm a Leo, so mm-hmm. I'm like I, I feel like it's a basic human instinct that hey, you've violated my I mean, privacy and you've taken photos that against consent mm-hmm. of my friends and of myself. That's a problem. I'm gonna say something, yeah, but that's also a very Aries reaction because you're also a fire sign. I feel and like, Leos are well, a fire well, sign. Show of hands, <laughs> who wouldn't say something if they saw that? Right? You like, well, I think I we, would all, we all. You would? No, would you? Yeah. Okay. Truthfully, okay. Yeah. Everybody well, would. Uh, but all of us here are. I mean, I I am a believer. All of in, us here are people. All of us here so. are people. It's true. It's true. But I mean, my best friend would. She would never. She's like very like would much more being like. Oh, let me like. I'm not going to bring it up. I'll deal with it. It'll be fine. Yeah, that that's probably not her personality. It's, it's her personality type versus that's like true. when she, what month she was born. But nonetheless, I digress. I'm an Aries, and so yes, to your point, mm-hmm. maybe all Aries would say something, and all Leos would say yeah. something. And As a Leo, I would say something. Okay, good. <laughs> but I'm also just confrontational. Um, yeah, it's. I don't know. I mean, this really automatic. Like, funny enough, I literally had this was very similar, not the same situation to like my. I had a therapy session yesterday, and my whole thing with my therapist, I was Yay like, you. I need to be. Oh my god, go twice a week. So fun. Fuck it up. Um, but uh, one of the things I had said to her, I was like, it was very much like me being like, I like I want a timeline to get over stuff, and like it's so frustrating. And I so understand that that like you just want to be over it because if you think about it in like months wise. It, it doesn't really matter. And even if you think that you're still bringing it up and this is me projecting, but like, even if you're still bringing it up and everything like that, I think you have to kind of look at like 
how you feel about it now versus how you felt about it when it happened. And even if it's like a little bit better, that's already better. And that's showing you that it's just going to take time. Mm. I don't think you're ever going to fully get over something. I think like we don't just like totally forget and move it, but we can move past it. But like, it's like trust that needs to be regained and rebuilt. And um, as my therapist says, there has to be the time in which like everything's good in your life and you feel like, okay, that needs to be the majority and like the bigger chunk of time versus like the trauma time or whatever. She's like, if the trauma time's a long time, she's like, you can't say like, oh, six months or a year, like, oh, I should be, I should be better. Cause it's like, that's not what your automatic instinct and feeling and reaction is to it. I think it's like, it sucks to say that it's time. And that was literally me yesterday crying. Be like, just more time. Are you kidding me? Like, I just want to be done. Like, can you just give me tips to be done? Um, but yeah, I think like, I don't think it's manipulative. I think like in my mind, I also go to like, maybe there is something that he's not doing that makes you feel like you need to bring it up. Like I know when I have issues in relationships or whatever, and then like a need is not being met or I don't feel like seen or I don't feel like I'm getting enough attention. Like that's when I'll throw that. And it's not necessarily manipulative, but it's kind of like, that's like that insecurity and trigger thing. And you're looking for validation. So I wonder if, if, if he's not giving you that security that you need. And I don't think he should be I don't know. I think it's a fucked up thing to do in like a way that I don't think that like this isn't like a come on, babe, like just get over it. It was just like me going through your phone and like taking all these pictures and like, you know, like jacking sounds off. Sounds ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. It sounds ridiculous, but I think that that's because this is one area in life where we just expect that everyone's supposed to figure it out. Like yeah. there's a lot of natural human instincts that 200 years ago were useful, mm-hmm. um, but now are not. Like we have developed far quicker than our DNA and our biology have. And so for example, violence, which used to be a helpful tendency 200 mm-hmm. years ago and a very applicable one now is not. But when we have think about how we socialize people out of violence, it's not the first time you hit somebody like, how dare you? You're a terrible person. Like get away from me. It's over. Mm-hmm. Like we're like, hey, we don't hit. We yeah. do this. It's a very very slow process and we give people outlets for violence. Like we have a very um, nurturing approach. And of course, as you get into adult years, there's legal ramifications for violence, similar to, you know, sexual misconduct. So all, all that to say is that when it comes to sexuality, again, our natural urges are supposed to be that proximity is the number one indicator of a sexual bond. So mm-hmm. if I am in close connection with somebody, mm-hmm. and again, 200 years ago, a man who was attracted to 50 people in the community and was able to impregnate 10 of them was a savior because yeah. he was populating the farms and like mm-hmm. all the different shops around town. So he would have been an integral part of the community. Now, years later, you're not supposed to be attracted to people at base proximity you're supposed Uh to choose one person and if you're attracted Mm -hmm. to that one person everybody who's around them is a no-go for territory so your natural instincts go against what we've now been socialized into so i would just say we just live in a world that doesn't give a lot of grace Mm -hmm. for us not to make the right sexual choices at all times and for us not to be completely on brand with where we are socially in terms of connection and attraction so i would probably just research a bit i always find there's so much more healing and knowing the why behind things oh yeah a hundred percent because if you don't know why your partner did that Mm -hmm. and beyond like how could you do this to me don't you love me and he may not even know why yeah he again we don't learn these things in school we're not Mm -hmm. taught about them he doesn't know about sexual bonds and so he's 
like, I must be a shit human being. And he's trying to rationalize his feelings and um, his experiences. And as long as the reason why he did it, that he's a bad person, how can you get over that? Yeah. Because that's going to be a consistent. Yeah. If you look at it like he's just a human who hasn't mm-hmm. been able to manage this part of his, his, his humanity yet. Yeah. And he needs somebody who's going to work with him slowly, create an environment which he can change mm-hmm. and create an environment which he can be imperfect and there's not long-term ramifications. But yeah. I love the point that you made where in that, yeah, there is, you have a right to feel away. Yeah. And give yourself that right, but also try to give that person some grace of like, okay, I understand why you would be attracted to my friends or what's going on with you, yeah. but let's talk about that because it's not okay. Yeah, because I think it needs to be a conversation because you're, you're exactly right. I'm a big I'm a big fan of the why. Like the Love. why is the only, like, and that's also like the big therapy thing that I'm like, let's figure out why because then you can trace things back and you can also retrain your brain because we all, also as like as women in general, we tend to make everything about ourselves. And I think like if it's an awkward or uncomfortable conversation, I think even though it's been time, if you guys haven't had a sit down and be like, let's talk about exactly why this happened. Like, let's talk about what you're into. Let's talk about these things. Like, is it, and like, we've had other calls before where um, girls have found photos of other girl, like a folder of like all these pictures of the girlfriend and like lots of other girls. And I was like, your boyfriend probably has a fantasy about girl on girl. And he's looking at pictures of you next to these other pictures of girls. But I think there is like a shame aspect that maybe he's not saying something Mm. And he's not saying it why. And it's like, okay, let's just move on. I'm so sorry. Like, it's not going to happen again. But I also think it's empowering for me to know that like, or if I was in the situation, not that there's something that I can do to prevent something, but also to know that like my partner's being super open and honest with me. So like, he's not like, you don't want anyone to hide a reason why they're doing something also. And yeah, if the reason why he's doing it is like, he's just a dick better to know than to just be like, Oh, let's move on and never talk about it again. Because I think that's why you keep bringing it up is because I think that there's still stuff there. There's stuff that's still uncovered. I know for me when I can't drop shit, it's because there's still shit there. Like I'm not, if, if it's done, if we, I'm not going to beat the dead horse, like, or anything like that. But I think like you're, I also think yeah. we live in a world, though, that touts that love is one size fits all. And so mm-hmm. if your partner is expressing an interest in your friends, they must not care about you, mm-hmm. even if that's so far from the truth. And again, more so speaks to his biology than yeah. what his psychology is choosing. I think we live in a world that says, like, there must be something really, really wrong here, as opposed to this is just a natural byproduct of his yeah. humanity that he hasn't gotten under control. Let me give grace for that. I have the great my sexual fantasies are out of control like i'm married and the things that i think about during sex i make me they're awful but (laughs) i also read a lot about them and i'm like oh i know why i have those fantasies i know where that's coming from and like that's a harmless way for me to do that and my partner's aware that i have fantasies you you can communicate that yes but i I also have the benefit of being in this space so i don't know if this guy is going to have the wherewithal to be like well based on the my uh, biological sexual bond Mm -hmm. and my my pheromones what's happening he's just going to be like i have seen in movies that if I do this, I'm a shit person. So I must be a shit person. But in actuality, I just think that it's just more about a humanity thing. Hi guys. So, um, I'm about to be a junior in college and recently, um, me and one of my other college friends got high in a blanket board and then we hooked up and, um, he's a younger than me and he, so like, we've kind of been like this friends with benefits thing, um, like month and a half or so. And sex is great. Like, for me, it's amazing. I come basically every time. And, like, it's crazy because, like, he doesn't come once. And, like, I feel bad for him. Like, not for my, like, self-esteem or anything, but, like, for him. Like, um, so he was a virgin going into this, and I was not. But, um, 
just take antidepressants and I think that might be the reason why but like we've talked about it and it seems like it's not impossible um they can uh come or anything like I don't know if you could give me advice of like how to handle that um and like to add on he has his depression and everything um he's been reliant like really dependent on weed and so um with that his parents found out and like had him get like clean and like kind of eat out completely but um every time he comes over or like every once in a while when he comes over he um wants to smoke and i'm down but like i do feel like i'm hindering him and like enabling him so like should i not give him tea because he is trying to be clean um so i don't know if he can help me thanks y'all that was just like, and then also, <laughs> yeah, this is like such a funny, like prime example of, I think of just, I don't want to say ignorance on like the behalf of his parents or whatever, but like your son's going to be on antidepressants and you're like totally fine, which I'm all in favor of antidepressants, but they're like, weed, get off that shit. That mm. shit, that shit's addictive. I'm like, well, well, I mean, like I take Adderall cause I have ADHD. That's more addictive than weed. Yes. Like th- prescription drugs are exponentially more addictive, more dependency, bigger issues, more of like a quote unquote gateway drug than weed. Um, and it's also such a, like a, a healthy way to deal with anxiety and depression that like, I think I don't like to just to address that part, like being like clean from weed, especially if he's like, it's helping him feel less depressed as someone who like takes CBD daily for anxiety and depression. Like it's a game changer and it's something that's so great and fantastic and not something that he should cut out at the expense of like feeling like because it's like a bad thing to do so i would just say like fuck his parents and be like you can smoke here whenever you want it would be my first thing but i mean what do you what do you think about it all first of all again great question yeah i mean this is like you guys are you that's a good ass audience this is a bomb ass audience you've curated I love this question because it truly speaks to the breadth of what sexuality is. Mm -hmm. And you have a sexual partner who is showing up, whom uh, a good friend of mine also takes antidepressants. And to answer her question, absolutely. That's what a lot of the issues is because I mean, it's a mood alterer. It alters brain chemicals and that makes alterations in your body. Um, Some of those alterations are positive and some are not so positive. But my friend who takes antidepressants was like, it was basically a decision for me of do I orgasm or do I leave the house? Yeah. Mm. Because my anxiety and depression was so pervasive that I was unable to get the courage up to leave. Mm -hmm. And so she was actually smoking weed, ended up being what her balance was, where she could kind of scale back her dosage a little bit, smoke Mm -hmm. some weed to balance it out. Anyhow, but he'll figure it out. And it sounds like he is actively looking for what his balance is. Some of us are gifted to have that natural brain balance and those natural brain chemicals where we don't have this issue, which it can be difficult for us to empathize, but everybody is different. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think when it comes to sexuality, the crazy thing that people think is that they have complete control over it. Mm -hmm. Like I have control over my orgasm, over my libido. We hear this often with women where it's like, they're not orgasming. It's like, well, you're not, you're not opening up enough mentally. And it's like, maybe you're not stimulating me physically, or maybe my body doesn't have the sensitivity in that area. Mm -hmm. Like I say to people all the time when they're having these, like my partner's not doing this sexually like why aren't they doing it and you're like okay do me a favor tell your pancreas to stop working right now you know check in with your kidneys and be like you know what i want you to put out a purple dye this time you don't have this control over your body Mm -hmm. your body's going to do what it does and it's 
finding people around you who are willing to go through the process with you. So I love the fact that he's giving you orgasms. Yeah. He's still actively hooking up. I actually had somebody who worked with me where a lot of the times what happens is the person's on antidepressants. One uh, goes through erectile dysfunction, so yeah. can't mm-hmm. maintain an erection or get an erection and then starts just stopping all sexual contact mm-hmm. altogether because of the shame. And in many ways, putting that on their partner, like I'm not in the mood for you. And then explaining that it's coming from a place of insecurity because their body is doing things that they don't want or not doing the things that they do want. So this honestly sounds like best case scenario Mm -hmm. for their scenario. And it sounds like he's dedicated to figuring out what his balance is. And through that, you're getting an orgasm and sounds like a nice partner. Yeah. And like a regular orgasm. I'm very excited for you. Oh, I love that. I also love that the first time that they like hooked up was like they made a fort and they were high. (laughs) And I was like, fuck yeah, I'm here for that. I would also just suggest, I I don't know how much you guys are like talking about stuff that he's into. Um, And I think, like you said, antidepressants, I think like that's the cause. I have lots of friends who both like men and women who've been on antidepressants and it's it's the exact same thing. Um, And like maybe start by like, watching porn together if you're into that and like seeing that or like mutual masturbation like something that doesn't necessarily like what I think is good about like mutual masturbation it's not like not I don't think sex should be like an end game thing in general like oh we are all just racing to this like one point but like when it's that it's it's a little less oh we're responsible for each other and it's more like hey we're doing this together this is our own thing like if this if like who cares where this ends up it's just kind of like trying it out there's a little bit and maybe for him a little bit like less uh, shame in like the sense of being like, oh, he's not having sex, like penetrating and then not getting hard, like something like that, where it can feel like a little like lower stakes in that kind of way. Because I think from what I've known, it's about people finding if the chemicals and like the immediate like physical reaction isn't there and it's doing a lot more prep work to get there. And then he might not have ever had to do that before. Maybe when he was like masturbating, when he was younger before an antidepressants, it was just like an easier thing. So it's a learning curve to figure out like, Oh, what are these additional things that I haven't even realized turned me on? And like, how can I go through all of this together? But I think like, it's also fantastic that a, you're his like first sexual partner and he's like comfortable talking to you about all this stuff, especially like talking about being on antidepressants because that's already like a pretty bad like stigma. Um, so I'm, yeah, I have like lots of hope and faith for this. Kudos I'm really to your excited for skills. You. Like you really picked up on so many nuances from that story and I'm like, oh yeah, she did say oh, yeah, that. The weed fort though is really Good. where I'm Yeah, like, we did excellent. You're great. I, I I mean, I love, I love listening to other people's like sex life talks. It's like one of my favorite things. Okay, there you go listeners. If you want to get on oh, the show. Truly oh, so they know. Yeah. They know. Oh, they know. <laughs> We're obsessed with that. Uh, well, uh, should we go on to the next one? Hi. Um, I am 19, and I recently got into my first relationship. Um, we have been dating for a couple months, and we are sexually intimate. This is my first sexual partner, and I'm having issues... Like, I feel like I'm, like, internally slut-shaming myself. Like, I feel guilty every time I have sex. Like, the only people that know that I am sexually active are my two best friends. I can't tell my parents. Well, I could, but I'm really not trying to delve into that bucket. Um, and I just really feel like I'm, I have, like, internalized slut-shaming going on. And I just don't know how to get past it. I love, I love my boyfriend, and I'm, he makes me feel super comfortable and everything. But um, yeah, so I was just wondering if you had any advice on that. Thanks in advance. Bye, guys. Do you mm. get? I, I, I'm so curious about what your experience with like questions like this are for like. 
because I, I, we, we've talked about this. I think we had an episode a while ago about like, I don't think that a, a, everyone is born sex positive because that's not how like, I don't know. That's not how our world naturally is. Yo. And so like, I remember growing up and it was like, oh my God, that girl's a slut and that sort of thing. And like, I didn't even know what a fucking, like, I didn't even know what the term like slut was. All I knew was it was bad and you don't want to be that. <laughs> and then as I got older, I started having sex. It was like, oh wait, wow. What's wrong? Like it became this whole thing of like, we grow up in this, in a world in which, and I even grew up in a very like liberal, even like stereotype, like you would call it like a sex positive way, but like, that's not how like the rest of the world is and like media and it still gets like infiltrated that like even when I first started having sex, I think everyone kind of goes through that process before you're able to be sex positive. Um, so I think like, A, I think this is like very, very normal. And like, mm-hmm. as someone, like I started having sex at like 16, Me too. I'm like 26 now. I'm like, mm. I'm 10 years and I'm like very sex positive. But like the first year that you have sex, it's, it's a, it's very, you're like, what am I doing? This is so different. And also why have I been calling all of these girls or like, why have I been joining in as people call these other girls sluts? And I'm suddenly doing this thing that like was so taboo and terrible, but yeah, you're bang on. I mean, I think it's just exactly what you even said to the previous caller. It's a matter of like equal amounts of time. So if you've gotten 18 years of propaganda that mm-hmm. sex is bad, that women who have sex are shameful or slutty or dirty, et cetera, whatever language that you've received, you know, give yourself three years to yeah. unlearn that. Give yeah. yourself a little bit of time to work through those feelings and emotions. And I, I go back to understanding like the knowledge element of it. Like why was it in uh, society's benefit to tell women to not be sexually active. Like where does that we're going to take over the world? Right. They're and afraid it, of that's us. the actual goddamn yeah. truth that countries where women are more sexually liberated, actually the quality of life is better mm-hmm. overall. So other countries where women are not as sexually liberated, like there's less, uh, access to healthcare. There is less equal rights. There's less opportunity. There's less entrepreneurialism. There's less mm-hmm. invention. So women having sex and rights over their sexuality is actually a lifesaver. It's a world saver. Mm-hmm. Like probably nothing has made a larger impact on our global economy than women having autonomy over their bodies. So, you know, put that in your pancake and stuff it as you, <laughs> you know, you know, stroke yourself off to mm-hmm. say, I'm saving the world um, by reclaiming my right to do this. I was saying this to my friend because um, she is celibate. It was a choice that she made for herself that she loved, but that's like starting to reconsider that and trying to really reconcile like the, what God has said about her, her sexuality versus mm-hmm. what she knows. And I'm like, look, like God still had the right intention. You know, let's think about this. 3000 years ago when God was like, don't have sex before marriage and limit your sexual mm-hmm. partners and a sexually active woman is a, a dirty woman, a shameful woman. That was before modern science and modern medicine. That was before birth control. Mm -hmm. So I could totally see how 2000 years ago, the best wave would be like, probably not. Because if you get bacteria and vaginosis, you're dead. Like we don't have any treatment for you. So like chill on that. Mm -hmm. Like God said, don't do it. I understand that the logic behind why that many years Mm -hmm. ago, that would have been a rule that was applicable. Just not the case anymore. My favorite one to do when I'm like thinking about like, is it wrong to pleasure? Is it wrong to even self-pleasure is if, you know, God did not want us to masturbate or engage with our genitals, it would be in the middle of our back where it's hard to get. You know, oh my that, God, like where you can't self That one spot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you're like, this is always dry. This part of my body has never felt this moisturizer. This is the most convenient place <laughs> possible. Like you could not have set it up anymore. <laughs> That's true. You've got both hands access. I'm flexible. I can, I can, I can masturbate with my heel of my foot. Oh like, wow. You do look very flexible. Thank you. I like no- notice that as you're sitting, like there's like, look how stiff I am. And that goes back to me being on the bathtub masturbating. <laughs> water like it's a struggle oh, for yeah, me yeah, yeah yeah you're really in flow there also there's like 
crazy health benefits to orgasming. Oh yeah. And it releases DHEA. It lowers blood pressure. It improves your cardiovascular. Like it's one Mm -hmm. of the number one ways to prevent heart disease. Keeps you looking younger, 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 longer, younger, longer. So when you really look at it, you're like, no, like this is good. Yeah. I see why people would have promoted that it was bad based on the times, but times have changed Mm -hmm. and I'm changing with them. Yeah. Honey. Literally. I think the other thing I would say is we've, we, I know I've given this advice before is read more sex positive material. I think like when I was younger and I thought of like sex positive things, I would think of things like sex in the city, which like they talk about sex, but it's not educational and it's not, I don't necessarily find it like empowering because I'm like, I can't relate to her closet. I can't relate to the, her lifestyle. And I'm like, but I'm supposed to relate to the sex part. And that's hard. But I think like finding sex positive material that is also doesn't have to do with like ways to please your man, like how to get your husband, blah, blah, blah. Things that are targeted towards younger people. And even like TV shows that have people having more casual sex, not that you're having casual sex, but I think that's the most sex positive kind of language because when it comes, when they're t- talking about like sex positivity in like marriages or long-term relationships that feels like in my mind that's like conditionally positive and it's like no no I want to hear like sex positive you're having sex with like a different person every night this is all fine whatever also don't watch the current season of Bachelor in Paradise because it's very slut shaming what's your favorite sex positive books that for you made a massive oh, impact I mean I didn't even read books for me it was just I I did this thing like probably two how long has Trump been in office Three years. Three. Three years. I basically unfollowed every single person on Twitter and refollowed everyone. And I just curated everything with like very like left liberal content and lots of like sex positive, like any sort of content. And just I, I literally like it's so much of me is just like Twitter, then deep diving to people retweeting articles and finding articles that way. And then we will look up tons of articles. Mm-hmm. I I'm like a fiend on my phone for that kind of stuff. And I've never read a book, but I definitely like would love to, but even TV shows, like I remember the first time I watched broad city and it wasn't like, like it wasn't like this like educational casual sex thing. It was just like it's like the first time you see like a, a like a queer character represented on TV and like the storyline is not that they're gay. It's just they're there. And it, that was the thing with Broad City. I'm like, oh, you're just like having sex and like we're not ta- like it's not necessarily we're not talking about it in a way of like oh my gosh. It's just like this is normal and all of these characters are doing this and it's totally normal and fine. And that for me was very like oh wow this is really cool and also opened up the conversation to me talk for me talking to my friends about it, which I think is also like the most liberating thing because even even if you're really really close with your friends and you feel comfortable talking about like a lot of stuff like sexual partners and things like that I I don't know at least even for me like when I was having like I didn't even say I wouldn't even say I necessarily had like casual sex and when I was like in college but like you know like hooking up like sleeping with like people that I was friends with or whatever there's still like it felt weird to then tell my friends until we start talking about it and I was like oh we're all why are we not talking talking about this like we're all doing this um and I think when you're younger, it's hard to talk to your friends about it, but then you realize like, oh, everybody's doing it. It's not just the girls that I called like, oh, she's a slut. Like she had like, everyone's having sex. Yeah. Like the girl with like, I had transition. I actually, I didn't have transition lenses the first time I had sex, but I mean like, you know, like it was like, I was not like the poster child of like the girl that you'd see it. Like, cause we're like an Abercrombie crop top and like, oh wow, she's a slut. Like here I am in my like gauchos being like, I'm having sex too. Like, I don't know. Like that for me made it more accessible. Cause it wasn't like this thing that like, like sturdy girls did. Yes. You know? 
And my favorite definition of slut is just the perception of somebody who has a more sexually exciting life than you. So when I call someone a slut, it's really a reflection on my oh. own sexual life and my yeah. perception of what you're doing that I'm not. And it's, then it's a compliment. It really is. Like, yeah. call me a slut. <laughs> call me a slut. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, daddy. Okay. <laughs> also, Moss is bad. I literally made a joke to him, like boyfriend. I was like, I want to, I like, he, we were watching something where someone called someone daddy in bed and I kept being like, what would you do? He's like, no. No fucking way. And I keep trying to, and he will not let me. I <laughs> Why think do the Spanish so version do Poppy or this? Oh my God. He, I think oh, he would I can't throw even me across the room. I truly think he would just be like, you got to find the German word. What's the German like, word for dad? Let's uh, get that going. He'd be like, bless you. It's Did Vader. You like, cause Darth Vader means dark father. <laughs> Why do you know this? <laughs> yeah. Fuck it up. Yes. Yeah. Wait, that's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to be like, like Darth? With a French yeah. accent. Darth? <laughs> My good friend, Darth? Oh, that's so funny. Uh, well, is it time for a break? Yeah. Okay. So we're going to take a quick break, guys, and we'll be back. Vader. Vader. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Today's episode is brought to you by a sponsor we love, 310 Nutrition. 310 Nutrition is helping us, you, our listeners, in the new year with protein and superfood-rich products with so many options and flavors for your personal preferences. They're adding new products all of the time, and I just got my... I mean, I didn't just get my package. I just got a, 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 a secondary of my package. And I, as someone who needs electrolytes to function, there it's like elixir from the gods. I cannot sing their praises enough, specifically... The cucumber flavor of this electrolyte mix is delicious. Like it's it's so good. I've even like 
had it on like ice and been like, I'm drinking like a drink drink. Like you can throw a little straw in there. Oh, and, and it's, it's delicious. It's so good. And I just, I love, they're filled with so many great ingredients that really help if you're like me and you like, you know, medically need some electrolytes, but also if you're working out, if you're sweating hot summer day, you're going to an amusement park, you're on your feet for a long period of time, all of that. Um, most of us are not getting the electrolytes we need. Yeah. I drink mine specifically when I am working out. It's my beverage while I'm working out. I just take one stick of the hydrate, mix it in with my bottle of water. 16 ounces of water can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water if you got that hydrate in there. They also have the all-in-one shakes, which I absolutely love. I'm running low, so I got to get some more. But um, I love the chocolate bliss the vanilla cream the caramel sundae i have all three of those flavors sometimes i mix and match them sometimes i'll use it when i'm baking or i'll just drink it straight and it is they're so good they have a triplex protein blend plant-based proteins that include pea brown rice and pumpkin that makes it so delicious you can get fiber and superfood blends with more than 25 organic fibers and superfoods blended into one easy, delicious shake. And they also have three tins, four shake flavor starter kit, which lets you sample all the flavors for only $9. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with Don't Blame Me and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and super easy to put together an order, or you can start a subscription on products you know you'll use. Go to 310nutrition.com and use the code Blame Me right now for 50% off up to $100 for your first order. That's 310nutrition.com and use code blame me. In our live stream, our listeners are always recommending and talking about books. So we're so excited about book of the month because this is something that our listeners are going to love. This is a brand that I've been familiar with for a, a long time. I like love watching people talk about it. I love seeing what books people are reading and like what books they have available and I, I, I love I love everything about it. So I'm so excited uh, for someone who like, <laughs> you know, the ease of getting into a book, a lot of it can feel like really daunting. So to have like a service where it's like you're going to get like high quality hardcover books, which that's my preferred way to read at incredible prices, but also curated. So it's like amazing, cool, wonderful, great. This is it's kind of like a a straight shot into that and something that book of the month you can do over and over and over again. And one of the great things about it is the longer you are part of the program, the cheaper the books get. Book of the Month's mission is to help readers discover new books they love and promote the work of emerging authors. One of the amazing things about Book of the Month is that every aspect of Book of the Month experience is designed to be fun and special for readers. First of all, the books come in a bright blue box, which is very pretty. Me and Megan were just talking about them. There's also a fun app to pick your books and track reading progress and as well there are reading challenges and rewards and book of the month makes it really easy to decide what book to read next which for me is like the biggest hurdle i love when other people make choices for me especially when they're good choices and i'm like cool i can trust you so each month the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles and they pick some of the best new books for you to choose from all of the books are so good you can't go wrong and i mean that wholeheartedly when we were picking like our selects for this i was like 
this, I like all of them. This is hard. And I literally coordinated with Melissa and I was like, okay, so these are like my top ones. I'm assuming they will be yours. So don't pick the same one as me. So then we can swap afterwards. And that's what we did. So we got The Ministry of Time by Killian Bradley. And we also received The Return of Ellie Black by Emiko Jean. The Ministry of Time is like, people are calling it like, if you're a fan of Outlander and like spy novels or time traveling books, it's quoted from Town and Country saying it's really innovative, fun storytelling. The Ministry of Time is definitely for you and listed as 45 of the must-read books for spring 2024. And then Harper's Bazaar also said part time travel romance, part spy thriller, and 100% multifaceted joyride. (gasps) When I tell you that, I was like, sold. We're also excited about the return of Ellie Black. And this one is about a missing girl who returns, but that isn't the end of the story. It's only the beginning. We both like a, a, a detective book. This one is uh, 20 years since Detective Chelsea Calhoun's sister vanishes. Ever since, Chelsea has been searching for signs for closure for other missing girls. But happy endings are rare in Chelsea's line of work, which that sounds so intriguing. And I'm looking forward to reading this novel so much. Can't wait. And we're so excited to usher in this new sponsor. And we know y'all are already going to love this. Plus, we've been recommended this so many times. Mm-hmm. So I, I we, we've already got fans in you. Try the service yourself at bookofthemonth.com. And you can get your first book for $5 with code PEDALS. That is your first book, $5 at bookofthemonth.com using code PEDALS. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Okay, guys, we are back from our break and we're going to hop into the rest of the calls. Hi, Megan and Melissa and potential guests. Um, I'm 22 years old and I'm kind of just going through, like, I don't know, a weird phase. I had a pretty abusive boyfriend when I was in high school and I dated him for like three and a half years. And then when I was out of high school, I went on Tinder, like when I went to college and I had a little bit of like a hose face. I was emotionally detached from the world. And then I met uh, my ex-boyfriend and uh, I ended up losing my virginity to him. And I was really in love with him. And then we were together for a little over a year that he cheated on me. So once again, after that relationship ended, I became super emotionally detached from the world. And I had a little bit of a hope phase again. And then I met my most recent ex-boyfriend. And um, I fell in love with him. And it was my first like adult relationship, I feel, because I was graduated from college. And I was just in an overall better mental place. And I could go out and drink. And I could like really just do whatever I wanted. And I lived alone. And he lived alone. Um, so it was a really good relationship. But uh, things ended up pretty, uh, ending pretty badly with him as well um so once again i'm finding myself in this like emotionally detached realm and it's been almost a year since he and i have broken up and i keep passing up nice guys because i'm scared of getting hurt again and i am just so tired of history repeating itself like over and over and over again like i feel like every every couple years i do this where i meet someone nice and i give them a chance and then they hurt me and then i start hurting other people and i don't really know what else uh, I started going to therapy around the same time that he and I broke up last year and I've been doing that pretty consistently and I've been working out and like overall trying to do all the stuff that people say will improve your mental health but none of it's really helping I still miss him a lot and I still wonder why like what it is about me that makes the three men in my life that I've ever really loved really see me as so disposable they don't even know really what I'm asking just maybe advice for what to do and how to like move past that mental block when I go on dates because I'll go on a date and I will just like drive home and hate them already <laughs> like even if the date was fun I had a good time and I like, want to see them again usually by day two like the next day I'm like uh I don't really want to do that again even though like they didn't do anything wrong I just kind of like find little things that I tarp on them I don't know any advice you have would be great thanks I mean, I truly think there's absolutely nothing wrong with you, like at all. I think like 
I don't want to be like, you're not special or whatever. But like, I feel like I've said this, all of my friends have had this, like I've countless people like this is, this is just kind like you're when you're saying like what's wrong with me like there's nothing wrong with you like you've dated three guys who it ended up sucking um and we've all like every relationship ends until it doesn't or and that one will also end probably in death (laughs) like everything ends at some point um I think going to therapy is fantastic I I'm assuming and hoping you're talking about this with your therapist because that like your dating life and your your outlook how you date for you right now is obviously like reflecting a lot how you feel about yourself and so your mental health is also tied to that like and so I don't know if you're not bringing up dating in therapy because it feels like a trivial like lame stupid thing but it's definitely not it's definitely something to talk about with your therapist um and I I also wonder like if you haven't had like I don't want to say like healing from all of these like other relationships but like if and you've taken like a year long break from that since your last one, which I think is great. And we've talked about this. It's retraining yourself when you have a type that's shitty and detrimental. You have to find other, you have to retrain yourself to not be attracted to that. And then not that I'm saying that you're seeking out those kinds of relationships. I also think there's just like also a lot of really shitty guys in the world who just like happen to like lurk on dating apps and like wait for that just it would happen to anyone but I think if you think that there's something that you're that you're seeking out and like when you're going on dates with nice guys I think it's also valid there is there doesn't have to be anything wrong with someone to like not you don't have to like everyone you're not going to like everyone I constantly would go on dates and then be like yeah I fucking hated that person I made out with them for an hour but I did not like them will not call them again like not into it and that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you it's just like it's not a connection and like they don't have to have something like crazy wrong with them for you to be allowed to not like them. You're just allowed to not like them. Um, but I, I, I'd also wonder like, is there something, if you can look at what you're attracted to, is it healthy? And like, are you attracted to things that like your first relationship you said was like incredibly toxic? Are there things that were you retrained to think of like negative things and reinterpret them as love? And is that something that when you a guy who's doing that which from the outside someone might be like that's not good that's not like a nice way to treat someone but you're like oh no that's my love language is you talking shit about me like is there something like that that you feel has gotten you there because otherwise I think like this is just I don't want to say like the story of being young and dating but it kind of is yes um I am so like in the middle of what you just said but I'm like, there's so many things that the, the truth of the matter is, is that it kind of has to be her. Yeah. And that's a good, that's great news mm-hmm. because there's two kinds of people. There's people that life happens to, and there's people who are happening to life. And so if you're not in control, if you're not the common denominator and you can't figure out what you can do differently, then like well, oh, you're, you're SOL and you yeah. should do what you're doing, which is entering every situation with fear because you have no control over the outcome. So all you can do is hope. There's obviously something here that you can do. And I think that you made an incredible point just now in that. That. let's acknowledge it's hard out here, honey. Mm-hmm. Like it is very difficult. And I refer to this time period in people's lives from the ages of like 16 to like 26, 27, even as like your practice years, because we live in a society that has, of course, pushed the age of marriage past way later. But also our society, especially America, pushes this notion that relationships are a distraction to your self-betterment. Mm-hmm. And if you want to get ahead in life, like don't settle down, don't get too serious too quick because your job right now is to make money, buy a house, build equity, 
et cetera, et cetera, versus, hey, relationships are a healthy contributing part to your overall self-betterment, to your mental health, and to your career health, as a matter of fact. So treat these seriously and ethically and learn how to do them well. So people are in this bizarre space where biologically they're driven to make bonds, but socially they're told, like, don't worry about them. And so I think that creates a lot of shitty behavior. Mm-hmm. Um And so you're looking for somebody who is an ethical dater during the practice years, somebody who's like, okay, look, even though we may not be going for forever, we're going to try to get to know ourselves better through this circumstance and come out of it and be able to leapfrog to the next better situation or stay in the situation Mm -hmm. to your point. I think that like what the problem is during this years is that every relationship, like kind of certain like with jobs at a certain place, when you're at jobs, every job should be getting you a little closer to your dream job. Mm -hmm. And you shouldn't be leaving jobs, having to rediscover who you are, go to therapy, crawl back to your sense of self and purpose only to then try to look for a new job. You're supposed to end one job and say, that was great. I learned about myself. I taught that person. I contributed to that um, company. And now I'm going to move on to something different. So unfortunately you're choosing people who not only are you ending it, but you actually have to go back and rediscover who you are because Mm -hmm. you, were so damaged and hurt in these relationships. So there, to your point, is warning signs that you're not picking up on. I think it's important to acknowledge that love is a drug, love is addictive, and love is based on proximity. It's mm-hmm. a natural pair bond that occurs. And so loving someone is not enough. You have to be consciously aware of like, what kind of person are you loving and what kind of signs are they showing? Because it's up to you to really pick people that you're going to leave that situation and say, I like who that made me. And I'm excited about who I'm going to meet next as a result of what I learned through that partnership. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. You are so fucking wise. I just like, I, do you want to be my third therapist? <laughs> Girl, I really I can't so, do it three times. This is the thing. And like, and the fact that I think that your audience goes to therapy because of like the example that you said. <sighs> that makes me really happy. That was like, yeah, these callers are off the chain. Well, it makes me so happy that to hear people going to like therapy because like therapy, like, it's fantastic, but it's also like super fucking hard. And like, I was anxious to go to therapy. Like I was nervous, like make my first appointment. So like, it makes me happy that I'm like, okay, I finally did it. And also I finally went to the gynecologist. Now people are also going. Hell yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think you're totally right. And I think it makes like that also like that speaks so much this. Yeah. It, it's also that age and those years and everything like that. Like I think back to like, my boyfriend definitely has uh, similar traits to like guys I've always been attracted to. But I remember like the first people that I was always attracted to, like guys that I was into or dated or whatever, like they're the qualities that I was really into. It wasn't like, oh, he was a nice guy. It's like, oh, he's really confident. Like he's really assertive. He's really cocky. And then the older that you get, I'm like, oh, I'm going after these people who are kind of like, it is the practice years. And they're like, I don't fucking care. I don't fucking care. It's like, oh, but like this could be so fun. And then it's like, yeah, fuck it. And I'm like, oh, I'm so attracted to this fuck it. And then I'm like, oh, (laughs) well, you just fucked me over. Cool, cool, cool. And so it becomes that thing. But like, as I've gotten, as I got older and my boyfriend I started dating when he he was like at the towards the end of his practice years and I was definitely still in mine but I like was very done with my practice years I was are you like, done I'm, with it now oh yeah I'm done I mean we're gonna end up we've talked we'll end up together like we've been together for like four years now and I'm like we live together I'm like we're good I'm also like 45 in a 26 year old's body where I'm just like I'm already ready. I'm already ready to peace out. I was ready to peace. I like stopped drinking at 19. I was like, I'm done. Like, yeah. I've, I'm, I've aged through all of this stuff. Um, but yeah, j- just, just how we approach relationships is so different. And I think about it in the sense of like, once I started dating someone who was older than me, how he approached a relationship was so different than every other guy I dated who was my age, who was like also in that bracket of like, 
oh, we're just like figuring it out. But like, I felt like I, not that I want to say I was like figuring it out faster, but it's like the same way, like you, you want a partnership that's going to like, you want like a partnership. You don't just want to be like, oh, let's like fuck it and see if this kind of works. And like, I don't care if your feelings get hurt. Um, so I think it's, it's maybe potentially if it's you, you try dating someone who's like a little bit older. Um, but also, and like you said, warning signs, talk to your friends, your friends Mm -hmm. who love you so much are probably tight fucking lipped about these guys that you date because they don't want, they want to keep you. I think they're doing the right thing, which is not just shit talking every person that you date because they want to be there in your life. But if you open up those floodgates, if I had friends who came to me and I was like, Hey, my ex-boyfriend, like, I just like, can we talk? I'd be like, Oh girl, I've been holding it in for like so fucking long. Statistically friends and family can predict divorce better than anybody oh, else. That makes total sense because, and they can also see, and they can tell you of then like my best friend had like a very like sit down conversation with me because I was that career person where I was like, Oh, I'm not going to date. Like it's just going to happen. She was like, FYI, it's not just going to happen. You're going to have to put the fucking work in because you're not going to end up with the first person you start seriously dating and you have to date now or you're going to die alone. And I was like, Oh, yes, wow. friend. Okay. Yeah. And she was a very, and she treated dating when she got into her twenties and she wanted to be in a relationship. She treated it like a, like a job. She treated like job interviews and meeting with people. And like, it wasn't like, Oh, all the eggs in one basket with each person. And then like being devastated every time it was like, no, I'm going to play, I'm going to figure this out, figure out what I like. And then I get here and I'm like, okay, cool. This was awesome. And I was like, wow, this is so much better than I've been doing. And I've been like holding out as if I'm going on the bachelor and be like, no, I'll just see them. And in four days we'll fall in love. It'll be fantastic. What's so crucial about that advice is that it's the practice years for a reason. Like mm-hmm. I refer to it, like some people are motel daters. Like they date, like, I don't give a fuck. My home training's on pause. I'm stealing shit. I'm never coming <laughs> back to this place again. Burn it down. Yeah. And are you going to do that and then expect that when you meet the right person, you're going to have yeah. the skills to have a healthy partnership? If you haven't been showing up in loving, intimate connections as the quality of kind of, um, life partner material, mm-hmm. you're not going to magically know how to do that when it actually counts. On to the next Hey Megan, so basically my issue is um, my boyfriend or my partner, I guess, I don't know, we live together, um, has recently gone on a boys trip with his friends. So he's been gone for about uh, three days now. Um, so he left on Monday, come back on Friday. Anyway, um, so not a super long trip, but like it's said, we live together. So it's like super weird for him to like be away, if that makes sense. Um, like it's just weird being in the house alone and all this stuff. Anyway, um, I suffer from like depression and anxiety from fun. Who doesn't? (laughs) Um, anyway, but, um, my issue is that like when I feel like, I don't know, I feel like I'm like too dependent on him. Like I love him so incredibly much. Like he's, he's my best friend, which is great, but it also makes me feel kind of lost when he's gone. Um, and he's got a lot of trips coming up recently. Like he's got, like I said, there was this boys trip and he's got a couple of other sporting trips coming up. And I just feel really like lonely and depressed when he's gone. And it just makes me feel really pathetic. <laughs> um, like I feel like, you know, I'm supposed to be the strong, independent woman who don't need no man. Um, and I just feel like really down when he's gone and like all this stuff. And last time he went on a trip was about last year. And, um, I mean, a trip like without me, uh, at that point we weren't living together, but I got into a really bad kind of depressive spiral, um, over that time. And like, that was only a long weekend. And like, after that kind of depressive spiral, I just kind of kept spiraling and ended up on antidepressants. Um, so yeah, I just like, I try to distract myself. I try and, um, keep myself busy. Um, 
But like, I just feel like my depression gets the better of me, especially when he's gone. And I don't want to have to rely on him, um, obviously, to keep me sane and keep me happy because that's not what I want. I want to be able to do that on my own. Um, like, like I said, I try and keep busy and distract myself, but it just, it feels like it just doesn't work. And I always end up back in this kind of like depressive slump. So I guess I'm just kind of looking for some advice on like what to do and how to cope with it. Um, it would be really great. Yeah. Just like, it sucks feeling like I need him here when I want him to be able to kind of go off and do his own thing without me. But like right now, it just kind of feels like whenever he's kind of you know, off doing these things without me, I just kind of start panicking internally and being like, oh my God, here we go again. I'm going to feel shitty for the next however long he's gone. Um, So yeah, any help you could give me would be great and any advice. Um, But yeah, I love your podcast. Thank you so much. I want you to start with this one because I relate so much to this. So I really want to hear what you have to say. No, I think I want to hear what you have to say if you have Uh, a personal relation to it. I mean... This is like very much, uh, I'm, I, I, I totally relate to this. I'm very much the same way. And the whole thing that the, I mean, my first overall thing is I'm going to recommend is therapy because your reaction, as I've said on the podcast before, um, what my therapist refers to it as, um, if it's hysterical, it's historical and logically your boyfriend being gone for a weekend shouldn't make you this upset. And the reason why there, there is a reason why it's making you this upset. It's not that you're sensitive. It's not anything else like that. And I don't want to like diagnose you or anything like that. But as again, as my therapist says, it's, it's, it's any, any sort of like underlying like childhood trauma or like abandonment issues or anything like that. Like it has to be something that you felt this feeling before and it's gotten, and you felt this feeling so many times and enough. And it had like a negative react. It had a negative, it had a negative effect or not even a negative effect, but like it ended badly where it's like, yes, he's going on these boys trips. Nothing's going wrong, but something has happened that gives you the similar feeling and something did go wrong. And that keeps happening and happening. And that's why this reaction, at least for me, that's this. Cause I've literally had the exact thing with my therapist. I'm like, why am I losing my mind? And it was like, well, it has nothing to do with this. Like it has everything to do with like everything else. And it's unpacking all of that stuff and finding and being able to work with a therapist also and if if you then talk to a therapist and there's so many different kinds of therapy but if you talk to a therapist and maybe it isn't necessarily some like specific uh like thing in your history or trauma thing or whatever and there's but there also they, there's tools that they can give you to teach you to like help you figure that out and if you haven't experienced like if this is a new level of like anxiety and depression because like for me I'm like oh I know how to deal with different levels of like feeling anxious or whatever but then there's certain ones and like literally this was like what my entire session was yesterday where I was like there's other ones that I'm like this is fucking foreign and like everything that I normally do to make myself feel better like distractions all of that stuff like isn't necessarily working and it's about figuring out why you feel that way and then once you figure out why which for me I was like well I know like now that we know why like let's fix it but the more that you can figure out why that's how you can rationalize with yourself and that idea that like you want to do everything yourself very much totally relate to that you can't do everything yourself in your life at all like it's not this one man show this is my own race this is my own thing I need to figure this stuff out all on my own Cause you're not going to be able to, like, you're not going to be able to fake, like if you have any sort of like childhood things, like those are things that you don't really like think about as much. You need someone, not even someone to like lean on to like do that, but like someone that you can talk to. So you guys can figure it out together to empower you to know, Oh, this is why I feel this way. And this is how I can feel a different way. But if 
once you go, if you just keep everything like that all in your head, at least for me, that's when it becomes like not just an anxiety spiral, but like a shame spiral of being like, why am I doing this? But the second that for me, like when I vocalize that to a therapist and talking about it, it's like, oh, okay. Like this isn't me being crazy. This isn't me being sensitive. Like there are things I can do. It's not just, oh, buck up. You'll get over it. You'll be fine. Um, and it can, the feeling of feeling like you're being crazy, at least for me, is like such an igniting anxiety feeling in general. Like if I'm like, oh, I'm being fucking crazy, then my anxiety brain is like, oh, you're feeling crazy. Want to feel even more fucking crazy? Like we're going <laughs> to shut down. And so I think like the more that you can talk about it and then find certain things like if there are certain things that like make you specifically anxious, if you can find them and maybe it will take a while before it's not just like this big overarching, like anxiety, like dark spiral. Um, if you can find certain things, like we literally, like every time Mats goes out of town, we have like a game plan of being like, okay. And we'll talk about it like in therapy, like the week that he's booked before he goes. And it's like, okay, so this is what's going to happen. Like in the morning, you're going to call and you're going to text and you're going to do this. And it's going to be this. And then Megan, you're going to go do this with your friends in this day. And you're going to make sure that you, um, you're going to go work out and that's going to feel great. You're not going to like watch any like sad shows. Like you're going to like lots of positive content, like a friend's going to sleep over and like you're going to check in, you're going to FaceTime and all of that. And then that becomes like the retraining, at least for me of like retraining. So I, my reaction doesn't always get like that because then it's like, oh, we're doing these things and it's not just all on me emotionally. It's like, this is actual conversations and you doing things and then me doing things. And it doesn't, it doesn't ignite that like trauma side of my brain that like, I'm not even necessarily conscious of that. I'm taking this same like visceral feeling and just like diving with it to something that's totally unrelated. I can really connect with like actually what is happening here right now and how do I feel right now? And how are we addressing like the current situation at hand? Um, but that's also just me like with going to therapy twice a week, self-diagnosing you and being like, you are me. That's what I, that's at least in my opinion, when I deal with this all the time, this is, that's how I feel. That was awesome. I mean, there's not like a ton I can, can talk, Am I right, topically though? contribute. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, know. this is the thing is, I think all of these are anecdotal in a sense because you don't have the full yeah. breadth of conversation, but I love that idea of coming up with a game plan that is yeah. mutual responsibility. That's not just all on you. Like there are people, there's accountability partners, you have a plan of action. And when you have a plan, you can relax a little bit because mm -hmm. you know what to come next. And so I think maybe that's a part of it too, is that your routine is thrown off, your usual structure is thrown off. So creating a new structure might really help your anxiety. I think it's also massively important to acknowledge that like we are born to bond. We yeah. are community-based pair bonding mammals. And I think about this in terms of human superpower is our ability to connect to one another. And I don't mean that in like some hokey shit way, like our true power is to love. <laughs> I just mean genuinely like we don't run the fastest. We don't have the sharpest claws. Our teeth are not the sharpest. We, If it was us versus a bear, a lion, an elephant, fuck. we'd fucking die. Mm -hmm. But together as a community, we are powerful. That to be said, 300 years ago, if you get isolated by your core tribe, if you're left alone and they go off without you, your fight or flight's going to ignite because you don't mm -hmm. have a chance out there by yourself. So your brain, when you're isolated, when you're away from your security net, from your tribe, from your individual and your person, you're going to feel unsafe mm -hmm. because again, you're biologically bred to believe that when you are a lone wolf, you are, don't have a chance out there. So I think a lot of those insecurities just, or that fear just comes from, I guess, that natural biological indicator that says, hey, the person who's here to protect me, the person who's there to keep me safe is no longer around. I'm vulnerable. What do I do? I think that, again, like I'm such a big fan of like the reading up on like why love is so addictive, you know, what love does on the brain and acknowledging that I um, travel a lot away from my partner and I, we interchange, I love you with, I'm addicted to you. 
Huh. Like, oh, and is that cute? I don't know. I think that's <laughs> cute. Sometimes I'm like, listen, like I, and it, the more like uh, boring my work trip is, the more that I'll miss that person. Oh yeah. And so then there'll be times where I'm like sick with worry and he's actually going away for the first time and leaving me in the house by myself like next week. And there's concerns I have with that, but I also know where those are all coming from. I know it's not actual rational thought. I know it's like, again, like some biological mm-hmm. needs or that, that I feel like is putting me in fight, flight or freeze or I should be in actual threat. But I have to rationalize to myself, I'm like, bitch, you'll be fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can invite your dog, your friend's dog over mm-hmm. exactly what you said, come up with some kind of game plan or strategy, but also give yourself grace because when you are that closely linked with someone, your serotonin levels are balanced by each other. You know, your dopamine receptors are balanced mm-hmm. by each other. You are that person's integral part of your daily cycle. And when they're removed, it's going to be problems. Just like if you had a smoking addiction mm-hmm. and you stopped smoking for five days, it would be a rough five days. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, oh my God. That's wow. Wow. I feel like I've gone to another therapy session this <laughs> week, except I'm not crying this time. Are you addicted Thank to God. your love, to your love? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> like yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I got the, I got the itch bad, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that. And it's yeah. like, there's healthy addictions out there in this world. And that's why I say to people that like, love essentially is like when you walk, if you went into a room that had like LSD, crack, cocaine, mm-hmm. meth, K, K is one, right? That's one Coca, of the drugs. That's the ketamine. Okay. Oh yes. God. I had a friend who did that once and I was like, not cool, dude. Stop. <laughs> like, what the fuck? That's a horse tranquilizer. You weigh 90 pounds. What's the one that you take before you, you get a hit of it before you die. It's one that Joe Rogan, um, wow. he touts a lot. I think it starts with like a D or something like that. Apparently like just before like an animal, it gets Oh eaten. no, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yes. Oh, what it's is like that, that final. Yeah. Looking. It's a chemical DMT? that you're- Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Was that just in a movie or a show? Why do I? Maybe I just read something about it recently. Because rec- uh, they literally just read about that too. Yeah. I mean, he, apparently it's this incredible feeling. But anyhow, so I, all that to say is, if you had all these drugs laid out and no one explained to you the addictive property of drugs, and you walked into a room and they said just try one, you would get addicted to the first one that you tried. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like that's the same thing with love. Love is indiscriminate. You're going to make a, a bond regardless, but you make a healthy choice. It sounds like this girl made a really great choice. Yeah. That her addiction is a healthy one, and it balances her out, and it, it gives her space and love and security mm-hmm. and all of the things. It's just learning how to manage when that addiction is no, when that addictive property isn't around you as no person yeah. can ever be. Yeah. And you also can't do it alone. You have to do it with him. And it has to be a conversation where he's also willing and able. And even if it's not something that, not that I'm saying he doesn't necessarily like so much of my things come from like childhood stuff that like my boyfriend has no experience with or whatever. So it's not like, it's not his necessarily his instinct. Like, Oh yeah, I feel the exact same way. It's getting him on your level to understand that, but it's hard to take away the shame of that. Cause you just feel like you're being clingy and crazy and it's a relationship. And like, you want him to like you more than like you like him. But it, it, like you're saying, like it's chemical. It's not even necessarily like, Oh, I just like, I like him more than he likes me. And that's why I miss him. It's like, it's a routine. And especially like for me, I th- like, if I'm feeling ex- like super depressed, like I thrive off of a routine. Mm. And if my routine is thrown off and like my boyfriend, and if Mons is not there and I'm like doing my own, my routine's not the same. And it's like, it, it, it just gets, when you get into those routines that like help your mental health feel a lot better, Anytime that switches up, I think it's can be really hard. Are you anxiously attached? 
like said, what's that mean? You know, I, I mean, in attachment theory, which yeah. everyone should look into and you probably should chat about with your therapist. It's yeah. a way of figuring out how people create bonds to other people and they're secure, anxious, there's fearful avoidant and there's avoidant dismissive. So that might be something just to kind of check out. Mm, probably. I'm just constantly getting new things of being like, they're the other four letter like acronyms and then this one too. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll buy more I feel books. like attached is kind of like the new love languages. It's, it's like making yeah. a splash. Yeah. Yeah. It's making a splash into pop culture. Mm, so I like that. I did look up once if I was codependent and then I was like, no, I tried to think about it because I was like, am I codependent? I just watched a YouTube video of a girl who was like talking about codependency. And then I was like, oh, I wonder if I'm codependent. And then I read it all and I was like, no, I'm not. And then I was like, this is what people do on like, uh, I do like the like mental health version of um, like self-diagnosing on like, I'm like, oh, I wonder if I have that. And then I'm like, oh no, I don't. I would think that you're somebody who probably was, because attachment theory comes from childhood and like an anxious attached person would have had a parent who was smothering at times, but very distant at other times, like created, you know, Mm -hmm. nothing creates an addiction, like an inconsistent reward. And if you have a parent who has inconsistent parenting styles, I can create that anxiety, that anxious attachment. But it sounds like you are probably secure now. Like you've put the work in through time, through therapy, um, through Mm self-love that you probably now err on the side of like a securely attached person. Yeah. Oh my God. I love this. I mean, this is like, you're, Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. You're nailing it on the head. Yeah. Uh, my God. Well, uh, I have big faith uh, for you and your relationship and all of this stuff. But therapy, therapy, again, is always the advice. Do we have time? It is the time. Yeah. It is the time for don't blame them. I was, what were we doing before? Oh, don't blame them. Don't blame them. Don't blame them. And this is when listeners call in with their own advice from previous episodes. So if they've experienced something similar and they want to give their own personal advice. A little audio comment thread. Uh Mm -hmm. Live Uh in. Hi, Megan. I am calling in regards to the girl um, who called about uh, her boyfriend um, who he was interested in um, pegging. So I actually had a similar situation like this. I was dating a guy um, and he, you know, asked me if that was something that I'd be interested in. At first, I was kind of taken aback um, and it took me a little while to get comfortable with it. And and per what she was saying, you know, he definitely had the stereotypical, like, quote unquote, masculine qualities. Um, and I never, you know, thought that I would see him any different, but I just, it was something in my own head that I had to get over. So we kind of talked about it a lot. And one day we actually went to a sex shop and like we together picked out, you know, like a harness and like picked out all the items that you would need uh, for that. And it's actually like pretty hot. Um, And then like by the time we finally did it, like I, you know, had a couple drinks and it was, really fun it was definitely interesting and it definitely brought us a lot closer um and like one of you were saying it was a total power trip so i think you know to the girl like it's it's not going to change your thoughts it's you know something that feels great for them and it's totally empowering for you um and it's a really fun time so i think you should try it bye i feel like i would feel so powerful me too. Like so fucking powerful. Like I would just like, I mean, I've always wondered what it's like to like have a dick and just be like, I can do whatever. Like, you know, like yes. I would just be like a white man with a dick and I would just feel fucking, I literally, the world would be at my fingertips. And I like, I can't even imagine that kind of power. But I think that's like, I think it's a, it's a nice way to make it sexy. Mm-hmm. I, you know. Power dynamics and power play is so sexy in sex. Mm-hmm. 
And I also just think of any time with sex toys. Has anyone seen the photo of um, Junie Cortez from um, Spy Kids? Uh, he was a little boy in Spy Kids. He's an adult now, which is why the story's okay. Okay. Um, I was like, where are you going yeah. with this? <laughs> Love that movie, but I was also a kid when it came out. Um, he is married to Megan Trainer, who okay. sings... Um, Bass. I'm all about that. Yeah, this, this why, is really what is that? Why yeah. is that the, the dance? I don't know, but she does. Like all I remember was that. Um, and I was like in pastel colors and headbands. Um, and there they were photographed walking out of like a sex shop with like big bags, just like full of shit. And it was like right when they started dating. And I was like, I love this for them. Like yes. Jimmy Cortez, where have you been since Spy Kids? At a sex shop. <laughs> and I just loved it. And I was like, that's that's also like a bold move as like a celebrity to sh- go to like a sex toy shop in LA. Yes. So I was like, yeah. Go ahead. You're cool getting photographed. I'm here for this. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I, I love that. I think it's a, yeah, I think it's, it's a great thing. And I mean, yeah, we touched on masculinity as like a very weird concept. It's like a not real thing. Um, or like, not like a gender specific, like a gender specific sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I think it's a, it's a great, it's a great thing. If you want to. Shifting the culture takes a while. Did you see that GMA um, host who made Ugh. that ballet comment? Yeah. But I also acknowledge that it's a shifting the culture takes time and that Mm -hmm. she's an older lady and she probably grew up again, like with 40 plus years of a certain messaging being taught to her. And even if she does have a different perspective now, you still have bits of that still kind of kicking around. That's the thing with racism. Like, yeah, you might be 70 and not racist, but you're probably a little bit racist (laughs) just by virtue of the fact that for 40 years, that was the norm. So I just think that, yeah, like we've just heard a lot of messaging around what masculinity is. And a lot of, even recently, remember that movie with Chris Rock? where the guy liked his finger in the butt and it was like the punchline of the oh, movie. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. There's still remnants of that in our culture. And so yeah. give yourself some grace if it's still a little bit inside of you. It takes a while to like let that wash away. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, it, it, I think until you're surrounded by hearing the opposite narrative it just becomes something that like you are the outlier when you only hear of like oh wow like that's so gross that's so that and if you're not thinking that you're not necessarily hearing that it's not so then if you think the other way you're like oh i'm wrong no one's talking about it this way you have to like actively seek out that stuff speaking of finger in the butt stuff um we were talking i was like with a bunch of my friends once and we were uh i'm not going to give too much context because i'll really give away exactly who it is i don't Mm -hmm. have that many friends um and one of like some of the guys were like joking and making fun of um like that it was the same thing, like punch and like finger in the butt. And then our friend who is by standard definition, like the most like quote unquote masculine, like he's a guy's guy. He's the guy that all of the guys have crushed. Like, may, like I want to be his friend so bad. He is so cool. He literally walks up with like a very deep husky voice. He goes, no, if you never had a finger in your butt, you're not a real fucking man. And all the other guys were like, Oh, I have to go get a finger. In my butt. I, oh, I, I have to go get a finger. in my butt. I told this story to someone, but I couldn't remember who told me. it to me then yeah yeah and That's it was just it so from. funny to see these guys have another guy who they look up to say like yeah no that's fine and they were like oh i'm gonna do that now i'm gonna do that now i'm gonna do that now i was like oh so you like you didn't have these like oh that's disgusting feelings really like you were just saying that and then someone said something different that you're like oh no i'm gonna listen to him and you're like oh cool cool, cool, cool. you know what's so like, fascinating about that story is i'm sure every person who's listening had a different picture of like what this hyper masculine mm. guy looked like mm-hmm. i think that's really cool yeah because it's like it's just like a what the fuck is masculinity like right. what does that even so, mean so changing and also the fact that it's like it's tied so much with like like cisgendered men being masculine too and it's like yeah i just i had a whole like i'm masculine up. as fuck mm-hmm. i was like yeah i'm I, so masculine i like feel that like i i when bde became a thing like big dick energy the immediate first person i thought of who had bde i was me and melissa and i was like yeah. oh 
we don't oh okay yeah, was this us. supposed to be for men <laughs> like this was supposed to be for people with penises because i was like oh bde oh yeah it's fucking us yeah yes. i was like oh pete davidson for sure <laughs> sorry not the first person i thought of like you know so like yeah it's just a it's an odd thing but um that's it for our episode we have to have you back on. This was so fantastic. Please plug everything, your book, your YouTube, all of your shit. I'm just plugging my book. I have a book out. It's called The Game of Desire. It's about approaching connection with a strategy. I when I when I heard you talk about it on Candace and Kayla's podcast, also when you said you had like Mother, hours. I brought that shit. Oh my god. Yes. Oh my god. And when you said your you had, you have like hours of quizzes on your web. I am yes. I am literally that is all I'm doing tonight. I am, yes. I love quizzes. I love quizzes so much. My favorite attachment theory quiz is linked on there. So I'd actually be curious Ooh, okay, to know. Okay. Ooh. Oh my god. I'm so excited. <laughs> this is my plan for tonight. Quizzes. Well, Mots has fantasy football draft. That's it for our episode, guys. Um, <laughs> if you want to call and be on an upcoming episode, leave us a voicemail at 310-694-0976. And international listeners, you can send us an audio file at meganpodcast at gmail.com. Check us, our, check us, check out our goddamn website, uh, don'tblameme.show, to find out all the places to listen. And we're on YouTube, watch us, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of that Stitcher. shit. Stitcher, all that good shit. And um, is there anything? Oh, our Instagram. Don't blot meme pod. Check it. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Goodbye. Don't Blame Me is a production by me. Executive produced by Melissa DeMonts. Camera operator, Amanda Lechner. And music by Ryan Hunter and Giacomo Picasso. Part of the HerPod Network.